0: Alright guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Lockdown SEC Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, and on today's episode of the podcast, we recap Wednesday's action in SEC basketball. Uh, There were four games on the slate, and uh, a couple of them uh, very interesting in terms of uh, how they unfolded and potentially how we look at some of these uh, NCAA tournament teams in the SEC moving forward. We'll start with Florida picking up a 68-54 to win against Georgia. Uh, w- once again, sort of a different, you know, a tale of two halves almost uh, for Florida. Gators didn't make a single three-pointer in the first half. Um, they got down early by 13, and it looked like it was going to be one of those games again for Florida in terms of just having a, a first half that... Really, just seemingly has become sort of a theme for them. We saw it against Tennessee uh, in terms of how they played in that game, you know, not being able to to rally enough in the second half to overcome that poor start uh, in the first 20 minutes of that game. Uh, But yet they were able to do it here. And and I think, you know, being able to to get it to halftime only down two uh, after, you know, such a slow start, that was important. And from there, you know, you kind of saw Florida, once again, show what it's capable of. And we know what Florida's capable of at this point. Uh, It's just a matter of seeing it uh, game in and game out. It's that consistency, and it's the same thing uh, that we've talked about really for probably the past several seasons with the Gators. Uh, It's all about being able to do it consistently and be good uh, consistently instead of just, you know, sometimes having these stretches where, where they just don't look very good at all. Uh, But a win is a win at this point uh, in the season, and, and Florida really needed this one. After that loss at Tennessee, uh, Keontae Johnson with another double double. He had 18 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, one of the biggest stats, probably, you look at in this game uh, Florida forced 16 turnovers and were able to convert that into 26 points. That was huge uh, because the Gators themselves only turned it over eight times. Georgia only got eight points out of that. So uh, that was a big difference in this game, being able to, to not only get the turnovers from Georgia, but be able to turn those turnovers. Uh, into actual points and so uh, that was huge for Mike White's team and uh, you know it's the same thing as we've said I mean this is this is nothing different with Florida we know how good Florida can be Uh, we know what they're capable of and we know this is a team that can play in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament when they're at their best it's just when they're not at their best they've proven. Uh, that they can also, you know, lose games to anybody. They can, you know, be in a position where, um, you know, they're in a a dogfight with some of these teams, and, you know, that's kind of what they found themselves in at Tennessee, and they found themselves in that spot early here, and for Georgia, um, you know, just not enough points. I mean, I, I think this was Georgia's lowest point total of the season, uh, only scoring 54, which, you know, not, not a surprising probably stat there in terms of uh, they like to play up-tempo and they have Anthony Edwards on the floor. And so, um, you know, just could not find enough offense, and that's where we go back to Florida's defense. It's good enough to win them games. Uh, it's just their offense has lagged behind at times. Um, but even even then, you know, this, this isn't Mike White's best defensive team in terms of uh, you look at the efficiency numbers and all that that he's had at Florida, but it's still a pretty good one. They're still in the top 55 in defensive efficiency and in offensively, you know, they're in the top 30 in offensive efficiency. And that's something where when you look at it, I mean, that's, you know, probably one of his best offensive teams he's had there. Uh, But it's just, it's that back and forth with Florida. And, and, you know, it shows in the stats where you just you go back and forth with them so much and you wonder, can you really trust them as an NCAA tournament team uh, to, to meet their potential and potentially, you know, at this point, we, we don't really expect Florida to, to get to looking like a, a top-ten team like some of us thought they could be going into the season. Um, but, you know, can they get that consistent? Can they find this momentum at the end of the season to where they could at least, you know, go into the tournament, potentially be that 8-9 seed and, as we've said, be an 8-9 seed that that a number-one seed doesn't want to have to play In that next round, I think we'll learn a lot about this Florida team in the regular season finale against Kentucky uh, because you go back to that previous game they played uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, they didn't play that bad at Kentucky. They only lost by six. They almost, you know, they rallied, had a chance to to win that game, sort of similar uh, to some of the games they've had here recently. Uh, But if they can come out, you know, knowing Kentucky's coming off of that loss to Tennessee, If the Gators can come out and be the aggressor, I think they can win this game without question against Kentucky uh, and Gainesville. And if they're able to do that, that would give them so much positive momentum Going into the SEC tournament, you know, potentially having a chance to lock up the double by, uh, which which they're going to have an opportunity to do now. And so, you know, based on how all the other wacky results, um, they're sitting right there with three other teams with the same record in the conference going into uh, the regular season finale. So, uh, Florida's a team to keep your eye on if if not for anything else, in that they're one of the more fascinating teams because. I mean, they could wind up being the number two seed in the SEC tournament, um, and they could very well, you know, play their way potentially out of that eight-nine seed range in the NCAA tournament. Now, it just—it's going to depend on what they do uh, next week in Nashville in the SEC tournament. But um, I just—I keep going back to this Florida team, and it's just—I know it's frustrating for Florida fans uh, because they see it too; they see what this team's capable of, and it's just wanting to see it you know, for an entire 40 minutes in a game rather than just some of these stretches uh, that they have where, you know, not only do they not look like a a preseason top 10 type of team, uh, they don't even look like a team that that could very well, you know, do any sort of Work in the NCAA tournament, but uh, we'll see how do they respond moving forward, and how will they play against Kentucky? I think that'll tell us a lot about the Gators uh, heading into the SEC tournament, knowing that that they have a lot on the line here. Now, I mean they they're playing for something, and uh, not only improved seating in the NCAA tournament, but also uh, improved seeding in terms of uh, where they could be in the SEC tournament and have a better path uh, to getting to you know, a potential SEC tournament title. But uh, coming up, we'll look at the other games uh, from Wednesday night, and one of the reasons why the Gators have a chance to potentially become the number two seed uh, in the SEC tournament is because of Auburn, uh, who uh, lost its first game of the season at Auburn Arena, courtesy of Texas A&M, and uh, also it was Arkansas getting a much-needed win, uh, trying to keep their NCAA tournament hopes uh, going. They get a much-needed win against LSU. We'll talk about those uh, coming up here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And it was Texas A&M getting a 78-75 win at Auburn. Um, one of those that I think for a lot of people who came into this game or if throughout this entire season have looked at Auburn and just had that in the back of their mind that despite this team being 24-5 and entering this game, They weren't sure if they could completely trust the Tigers, and I don't think that a game like this is going to give them much more confidence in doing that Um, when you consider that really three of the last four losses for Auburn uh, have come to Missouri, Georgia, and Texas A&M. If you look at Ken Palm, all three of these teams are 100 or lower in Ken Palm, and so these are teams that you look at and and say these are games that if you're Auburn – you're wanting to prove yourself as a legitimate, you know, Sweet 16 type of team. Uh, you probably shouldn't be losing games like this to, to these types of teams. However, on the flip side, I think you look at this game specifically. You look at Auburn; uh, they turned it over 12 times in the first half. They only made three of their 15 three-point attempts, um, so that did not help them in terms of how they started this game. But, but I think the bigger takeaway was the fact that Texas A&M just had an answer for everything. It seemed like every time that the Tigers tried to, to move ahead, uh, be able to, to maybe put their, their foot on the gas to try to, to, to get the lead and keep it, Texas AM just always had an answer. And that's why I think you have to give uh, the Aggies credit for this. Buzz Williams, we've talked about him all season long uh, in terms of, of his ability to get this team from where it was. If you looked at where this team was uh, back in December, they were three and five. Uh, they had they had a four game losing streak where they lost to Harvard, Temple, Fairfield, and Texas. Um, you know, that, that kind of shows you how far this team has come. And for them to have an opportunity now, To finish, they'll finish at least five hundred in SEC play. Um, They could potentially, you know, get to ten wins if they can beat Arkansas on Saturday I mean there's no doubt that Buzz Williams if if John Calipari isn't your SEC coach of the year if he doesn't win it I don't know how it's not Buzz Williams and really you know Buzz may be in the lead actually and someone mentioned on Twitter you know it's like well how can you give a, a coach of the year award uh, to a guy who potentially is going to finish 500 in league play I think it's all about perspective and it's all about the situation because again if you go back and watched Texas A&M in their game against Fairfield that was all the way back on December the first. They lost that game sixty-seven to sixty-two. By the way, right now Fairfield is eleven and nineteen, and so that just kind of shows you how far Texas A&M has come. I mean, they were not very good, and they look like you know the worst team in the SEC just based on how they started in non-conference play. And remember, this was before Aaron Neesmith was injured uh, at Vanderbilt, which as we've seen what Vanderbilt's been able to do, I mean, if they had Aaron Neesmith, you're having a completely different discussion on Vanderbilt probably too at this point. Um, so, I mean, it—it it, they have are one of the most improved teams in the country. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And for them to come in here, win at Auburn Arena, a place that just no one else has been able to have any luck winning, um, that just tells you something because they came in with a game plan It worked, and uh, another road win for the Aggies. Five road wins in the SEC this year. That's another thing. Um, In a league like this where it's been very hard to win on the road, they've managed to win five times on the road, and I think that's something where you just can't discount how far this team has come. And, you know, it's just, I mean, what else do you say about the Aggies? Uh, They're a team that you look at, and, and they responded too. Let's think about it. They only scored 50 points in that loss at LSU and for them to respond this way, to, to win at Auburn, uh, that's something. And, you know, they had good balance. They had five players finish between 9 and 19 points uh, in this game. Uh Josh Nebo, who we said was going to be a big factor. He was. He had 19 points. Uh only played 20 minutes because he did foul out, so he was in foul trouble. But um he, he played a big role here and just yeah, what what do you say? I mean, Buzz Williams uh, tremendous coaching job with this team, but also give the players credit because uh, all of these players pretty much individually have, have developed and, and they've really come together and built a nice chemistry there. And then there's a team that, you know, we've brought this up a couple of times too. You just don't want to see them in your SEC tournament bracket because they're playing with confidence and they are just a completely different team. Uh, than what they were uh, back in December. Uh, Arkansas earned a 99 to 90 win against LSU, um, a high-scoring game, just as we expected. Uh, and it was a it was a must-win for Arkansas, just as all of them are at this point. And uh, you know it's it's pretty obvious now that Arkansas just has to keep winning, and there's really no reason to look at any other metrics, formula, or anything. Just they have to win games, and uh, this was a big one after dropping that one against Georgia, because now you know, it at least is able to make up for it somewhat because uh, you beat an LSU team that is projected to make the NCAA tournament. uh, So that gets you back on track. Now, how close are they at this point? Um, Not exactly sure. It's going to depend on what other bubble teams do. But, uh, you know, it goes back to the, the game we just talked about. Now for Arkansas, it's great to get this win against LSU. But now you have to go win at Texas A&M, a team that has all the confidence in the world after winning at Auburn. So uh, that game a lot more intriguing than maybe we thought it was going to be uh, heading into, you know, even a couple weeks ago. We we probably looked at that game and didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. Uh, but now uh, it's going to be, you know, certainly one of the most intriguing games Uh, on the regular season finale slate in the sec because uh, it means a lot for Arkansas and with Texas A&M playing how they're playing them potentially getting to 10 wins. um, Yeah, that's a, that's a big game. So, uh, but in this one, I mean, Arkansas, you you know, they just, they came out as the aggressor and, and that's what you want to see for teams that have a lot uh, on the line. And I think that's what frustrated Alabama fans in that game against Vanderbilt. Uh, is that you know it just seemed like Vanderbilt was the aggressor from start to finish. Alabama didn't play well enough on defense. But this was sort of different for Arkansas. They came out uh, very aggressive, uh, clearly understanding what was at stake. And, I mean, it, it showed in terms of the free throws. And I know we've talked about this so much this season – Arkansas got to the free throw line 54 times in this game. They went 36 of 54 from the line. That's only 67%. But to get there 54 times, um, just I don't even know what you say about that. LSU had 35 personal fouls uh, in this game, which is very interesting because LSU came into this game averaging the least number of fouls in any team in the SEC. Uh, it was them and Texas a and I think, at the bottom and yet they, they had 35 fouls in this game, and they they allowed Arkansas to get to the line 54 times. LSU themselves got there 23 times, so 77 total free throw shot in this game. I would have to go back and look at all of them, but I'm fairly certain uh, that is a, a season high in the SEC. So for those keeping track uh, of our free throw numbers here in this league and uh, the fouling as we've We've brought up many times uh, over the past uh, month or so, uh, this is one you can definitely add to your big board uh, in terms of probably right there at the very top. Uh, when it comes to uh, the leader in the clubhouse uh, with, with the fouling uh, and uh, the free throw numbers. But uh, but in all seriousness, I mean, Mason Jones, once again, 36 points. Uh, Jimmy Witt was really the man that, that was, I mean, he did everything here. And I, I know Will Wade mentioned it after the game. Um, I mean, Jimmy Witt just, they, they couldn't stop him. I mean, he had 26 points in this game. Uh, he had 15 rebounds, five assists, and 37 minutes of play. Uh, just a, a phenomenal effort from Jimmy, Jimmy Witt here, and uh, just a phenomenal effort from Arkansas overall. Only five turnovers. Uh, they shot 50% from the floor, and that goes back to the bigger issue for LSU. You know, the Tigers have now allowed 80 or more points in six straight road games, so that is a concerning trend. When you look at this team and try to gauge what they're going to be able to do in the NCAA tournament, because uh, away from home, they're just giving up way too many points. And, you know, one in five in those games that they've done that. Uh, they did win that game against South Carolina. They won it 86 to 80. But um, it's just it's not going to work for for them to be able to to go deep in March. Like, it's just they're not going to be able to win games in March giving up that many points because, you know, even as good as you are on offense, um, you know, it's just you're not going to be able to do that consistently and win. And so uh, a frustrating, you know, performance again, I think, on defense for LSU, especially after we said only giving up 50 to to Texas A&M in the previous game, tying a season low, uh, and then to come back and give up 99 to Arkansas. Just uh, not ideal. Um, Skylar Mays finished with 28 to lead the way for the Tigers. But uh, overall, another – uh frustrating lackluster performance on defense and uh i know will wade and his staff uh i just you know w- where you go from here is going to tell a lot because um this team if they want to to prove that that they you know want to win games in march uh they've got to start playing better defense and uh, if they don't uh it's just it's going to be one of those where lsu's probably going to determine and be a team that you're going to look at and a lot of people are going to look at and say how can i trust that team or if i'm picking a bracket how can I look at LSU and feel confident with the way that they play defense so uh, just uh, not a great performance uh, from LSU but it was one too where I think Arkansas uh, you know a lot of teams probably would have struggled against Arkansas in a game like this but uh, particularly LSU uh, did not make it easy on themselves and really just just allowed Arkansas a lot of easy looks and uh you know Arkansas made shots and and certainly uh did it by getting to the free throw line and really the, the rebounding total we talked about in the first one LSU won the rebounding battle in the previous meeting between these two by 29 only won it by five in this one so uh the Hogs with uh big improvement in that area as well. Coming up, uh, we will look at Ole Miss and Missouri, uh, another game between two teams that uh, we think could potentially uh, be factors in the SEC tournament, Uh, and we'll get into that game uh, coming up here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And it was Ole Miss earning a 75-67 victory against Missouri. Um, This game, I think, played out as we expected it to in terms of of really – You know, both teams thought it would be a close game. Um, You know, Ole Miss led by nine and a half. Missouri uh, held them, actually. Ole Miss scored 49 in the first half. Missouri held them to only 26 in the second half. But Bree and Tyree was the difference. Uh, He really stepped up, as we've always seen. You know, on senior night, it seemed sort of fitting for him. Um, You know, he stepped up. He had 13 points in the second half, 13 of his 19, and uh, just made some big plays. And Missouri, once again, A team that just finds itself in so many spots seemingly where it's very close to to potentially turning a corner. But the offense has just been something that that has continually not been there. And I think you look at this game as sort of an example of this. You know, Ole Miss wins this game by eight. Uh, You look at at the final sort of stretch of this game. Uh, Missouri didn't score in the last 224 of this one. Their last seven field goals, they only hit one. Um, So all those different things that go into it, when you have a team like this that that has come close in some of these games this season that they've lost, it's just not having that extra boost on offense has really hurt this Missouri team and I think we saw that again in a game like this I know there were some fans that were frustrated uh with some of the 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 calls and such but but as we said that's nothing unusual in games like this um uh you know in the SEC this year that's just something that we've grown accustomed to and yes there were a lot of free throws shot in this one too 56 free throws were shot. Uh, Missouri got there 23 times, made 19 of their 23 attempts. Ole Miss went 25 of 33. Uh, It was actually kind of fun to see both teams were perfect from the free throw line uh, in the first half. But aside from that, both of these still are teams. and, And even saying this with Missouri's frustrations on offense, I still think these are two teams, depending on where they land in the SEC tournament bracket, that could make things interesting, and and I know for Missouri fans, maybe that's something where you know you look at, at how they play on offense, and you wonder can, can they be a team that puts it together enough on, on that side of the court to be able to make a run in the SEC tournament? I think that's a fair question. Uh, on the flip side, you know, for Ole Miss, uh, when you have a player like Brian Tyree. I think you always look at Ole Miss, and especially with how they play defense, too. We've talked about, you know, Kermit Davis, their ability to switch up different zones and such on teams. And he just – I mean, look, and this is not unlike many other coaches in the SEC, but he just does a good job, I think, of putting his team in a position where, you know, they find the right matchups, they exploit the right areas. And I think it's one where Ole Miss, you know, depending on who they play in the SEC tournament – I wouldn't be surprised to see them in an opportunity to to win multiple games um, and be that potential spoiler. And it's also interesting, I think, with Ole Miss that they are now only one of two teams in the SEC that has a winning streak. Uh, Tennessee has won two in a row. Ole Miss has won two in a row. Those are the only two teams that have a winning streak of any sort in the SEC right now. So that sort of shows you how wild this conference has been because everyone else has either, you know, only won one game in a row or has lost a game or multiple games in a row. So. That just shows you how wild the SEC has been this season. Tennessee and Ole Miss, the only two teams right now uh, that have won multiple games in a row, and uh, you know that's that's a good place for for the Rebels because now they're going to have the rematch against Mississippi State uh, in the regular season finale on Saturday. And, and as we remember, Ole Miss beat them by twenty five in Oxford, uh, and that was sort of one that we thought may ultimately be the one that uh, you know kept Mississippi State out of the tournament. And if the Rebels can go to Starkville, and get a win there. Uh, that would, you know, that would probably be fun for for this Ole Miss team to to play the spoiler, not potentially just in the SEC tournament, but also to keep Mississippi State out of the NCAA tournament. And they would be able to do that uh, unless the Bulldogs were to win the SEC tournament. Uh, if uh, the Rebels can win this game on Saturday, uh, for Missouri, they will finish up the regular season on Saturday against Alabama and Columbia. Alabama coming off of that loss to Vanderbilt, you don't really know what their mindset's going to be. Uh so uh it's going to be I think these two teams are very intriguing heading into the SEC tournament and and it's all going to depend on placement you know where are they going to be seated uh because that it, it's all about matchups the tournaments we say it every year but it's about matchups and, and where these two teams are seated uh you could see them you know being two teams we look up and say wow uh here are two teams that are potentially playing on on Saturday and having the opportunity to do that going to be easier said than done and uh without knowing the matchups it's hard to to completely say that with with full confidence two teams that i know don't have the best uh record in conference play this season but, um, and I know there are probably fan bases of both that, that, are, that have been frustrated watching their teams at times. Uh, but uh, if, if they put it together, you know, it's just the rest of the pack in the SEC. And it goes back to the stat we just talked about. Um, you know, it's just, it's hard to count anyone out at this point, no matter how good they look sometimes, no matter how bad they look sometimes. Uh, it's just it's the SEC in this season. And, um, you know, you could just as easily make the case uh, for two two teams like this in Ole Miss and Missouri uh, making a run as you could some of the teams near the top because it's just uh, we haven't seen that separation from those teams at the top. And uh, it's, it's going to be fascinating to, to see how it all plays out. But a, a good win for the Rebels uh, as they head into that uh, rematch with Mississippi State uh, on Saturday in the regular season finale. But uh, that'll wrap up this episode of Locked on SEC Podcast. Uh, as always, be sure to subscribe. Head of any podcast app you use, just search for Locked on SEC. And uh, again, take a few seconds if you enjoy the show. Leave a nice five star rating and review. That just helps uh, the show reach more people. And uh, for everything else, you can follow me on Twitter at the Blake Level. Coming up on the next episode of the podcast, we will look at Saturday's matchups and uh, also dive into uh, the weekly mailbag, which uh, I know we we skipped last week. Uh, because of the interview we had with Auburn coach Bruce Pearl. But uh, we will dive into the mailbag this week, because I know some of you, uh, probably if your team is on the bubble, you've got some questions, and uh, we'll dive into that and discuss those on the next episode of the podcast. So uh, thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.